0: This episode of Your Catholic Life is brought to you by Iowa Catholic Radio, connecting listeners with Christ. iowacatholicradio.com. That's iowacatholicradio.com. Welcome everyone to Your Catholic Life, a podcast for Catholics, by Catholics, helping you grow in your faith. I'm John Leonetti, your host. We named our son after him, and we're doing everything we can to help our son model the second half of his life. Yeah, St. Augustine, always been one of my favorites. a pretty familiar name to most of us as well, but to the trained eye, there's so much more. Here to help us with that more, no more time wasted than this, A trained eye himself, one of the most widely read Christian authors of all time and author of his new book, I Burned for Your Peace, Augustine's Confessions Unpacked. Dr. Peter Craff joins me. Good morning, Dr. Peter. Good morning, man. I'm excited about this. Um, do you remember the first time you read the Confessions?
1: Yes, I do. I read it as an assignment in college, and I read it in an old, dull translation. Uh, and I found it quite difficult. And then I read it in Frank Sheets' translation years later and said, is that the same book? Mm. It's alive. It it uh, it, it kicks. It, it sings. It jumps.
0: Were you Catholic when you first read it?
1: Uh, no, I wasn't. I was a Calvinist at Calvin College. But Augustine probably more than any other saint, appeals to both Protestants and Catholics. They, the Reformers all appeal
0: to him, and so did
1: Thomas Aquinas. He quoted Augustine more often than he quoted Aristotle.
0: Now, why, why does he He's appeal great... so widely to Protestants as well?
1: He's a, a complete human being and a great saint, and Protestants want to be saints as much as Catholics do. It's a universal appeal. The Confessions is, at least until recently, the single book that is the most popular among Christians next to the Bible. Hmm. Sold more copies throughout time than any other Christian book ever written.
0: Has this, you know, you, you've mentioned before that you write the books that no one else has written that you really want to read? Um, has this been on your docket for a while?
1: Yes, not for that reason. There's a lot of books on Augustine. Some of them quite good, but I teach a course on Augustine, and uh, it's if I say to so myself a good course because it's not about grace, it's about Augustine, and students usually fall quite in love with him.
0: Uh, is uh, how many times have you read this book? Or not your book, but obviously the, the Confessions. Confessions, yeah.
1: Oh, at least a dozen times. Wow. It's one of those books that's, uh, that fits my perfect definition of a classic. A classic is a book that rewards endlessly repeated rereading. A colossal cosmic cow that gives you more and more milk every morning.
0: You say there's no fluff in this book. What do you mean by that?
1: Well, Augustine is a great poet, uh, and he writes a very poetic prose, and it's arresting. He doesn't tell you the obvious stuff, so you think that's maybe fluff and rhetoric, but it isn't. Every word rewards repeated investigation. Uh, Poetry can be as exact as prose, even when it's in the form of prose. So Mm -hmm. Augustine knows exactly what he wants to say. He doesn't throw out words
0: mindlessly. You say the good news of the gospel makes no sense if the bad news of sin is denied. Um, You would obviously agree, uh, Augustine did not deny that there's sin in the world, especially within his life.
1: No, he has a reputation of being the playboy of the Western world, uh, a great sinner as well as a great saint, passionate in both directions. That's one of the things that makes it interesting, and he doesn't cover that up in the book. It's an autobiography, and you see the wrong turnings of both his heart and his mind, as well as the right ones. That's what makes it exciting. It's a a drama of of good versus evil, light versus darkness.
0: What do you think Augustine's message to the modern world would be today?
1: Uh, Same as Jesus, seek and you shall find. Anyone who seeks him with all his heart is eventually going to find him, even though the way may be long and twisting.
0: Dr. Peter Kreeft is my guest. Um, Do you think it was Augustine's intention for his confessions to become what it's become, or do you think it was just kind of his prayer?
1: Oh, certainly not. He just wrote it to satisfy the... The interest of a few friends, I think he would be astonished at the universal popularity. You know, books in those days weren't published. They were just copied by hand. And even in his own lifetime, that began being copied over and over again. And I think it did really surprise him.
0: How was it received in the first few years after he had released it?
1: You know, I'm not enough of a historian to answer that. Sure. I don't know.
0: Sure. Uh, do you think uh, I do know
1: that by by a century later, by Boethius' time, it was very well known, and by the High Middle Ages, by Augustine's time, it was probably the most popular book that there was.
0: More philosophy or theology in the in the Confessions?
1: It's a little of everything. It's philosophy. It's theology. It's psychology. It's poetry. It's autobiography. It's unclassifiable.
0: Yeah, I think it is. Like that-
1: Augustine himself.
0: When you teach the course on Augustine, uh, how does the modern mind today receive him?
1: Well, first time I taught it, I had about 12 students, and they were a wide variety, uh, believers and unbelievers, seekers. uh, And they were so fascinated with Augustine that they asked me if, instead of a final exam, they could write a journal. And I say, yes, and they all wrote journals on the Confessions. And most of them were longer than the Confessions itself. I had that much to say, hundreds of pages.
0: Is this your favorite book next to the Bible? I would say so, yes.
1: Yep, yep. Uh, I'm, I'm very unoriginal. I agree with you know, the majority of Christians and, and, and Christian history. I validate that, yep.
0: Let's walk through, just for a few minutes, uh, the confessions themselves. How does it start?
1: It starts with a, a letter to God. Uh, the confessions is not addressed to the reader. It's addressed to God, and the reader is allowed to overhear. Hmm. So it's a prayer. And it starts with praise. Great art thou, O Lord, and greatly to be praised. And then in the very next paragraph uh, comes the most frequently quoted sentence ever written, I think, by a Christian outside the Bible. You have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And that's the theme of, of his life and of, of everybody's life.
0: It had to be humiliating in a way to really just throw everything out there for him to the, to the world like this.
1: Yes, it's a very unusual book. You find nothing like that in ancient literature. Uh biographies and autobiographies are usually hagiographies. Look mm-hmm. how great this man is. Uh, it is, to other ancient literature, something like what Plato is to other philosophers. Plato writes Socratic dialogues, and the other guy gets to talk, too, and he's usually wrong. And Socrates gently corrects his mistakes, and it's much more dramatic. You see the other side as well as the, the truth.
0: What was the turning point in Augustine's life to bring him from uh, where he was to now uh, a saint, a great saint?
1: There's a number of them. Uh, he solves fundamental problems uh, over a period of many years, like a very modern problem of, of isn't morality relative? How can it be unchanging and absolute? And the problem of evil if God is good and created everything, how can there be evil? Where is there room for evil? Uh, he thought his way through, and prayed his way through, and lived his way through to the solutions. And the most dramatic part of his conversion came in that famous scene in the Garden, where he was already convinced in his mind but he just couldn't make the leap of of will. Mm. And God helped him, in a way, almost as dramatic as as he helped St. Paul on the road to Damascus.
0: So really, Augustine came to know the faith uh, and love the faith really through the mind before the heart. That came next.
1: Well, both of them. I think, I think that's, a, that's a chicken and egg problem. Okay. There's a chicken before every egg and there's an egg before every chicken, because the mind is not going to investigate something unless the heart drives it, unless, unless it's interesting. In uh, the Middle Ages, statues of Augustine always had a burning heart in one hand and an open book in another hand. I don't know of any saint who's got more of a passionate heart and more of a brilliant mind together.
0: Dr. Peter Kreeft is my guest. Um, how much did he talk about his mother, St. Monica?
1: Oh, a lot. In fact, the book is about Monica. Hmm. It ends when Monica dies, Was even he... though uh, Augustine has almost half his life ahead of it.
0: Have a little fun here with me for a second. Higher place in heaven, Monica or Augustine?
1: <laughs> well, if God put Augustine above Monica, I'm sure Augustine would respectfully disagree and place her above
0: himself. Dr. Peter Kript is my guest. Um, we're talking about his, his new book, I Burned for Your Peace, Augustine's Confessions. Some people might be intimidated to read Augustine. They might think that, well, it's, it was so many centuries ago, will I be able to understand it? Uh, how how important is the translation to Augustine?
1: Oh, very, very important. <clears throat> I highly recommend Frank Sheed's translation. In fact, I know of no book the translation of which makes more of a difference, too, than The Confessions. Wow. As I said a few moments ago, the first time I read it, I was bored. And the second time, when I read Sheed's translation, I said, how could I possibly be bored by this book? Hmm. Uh, it, it's clear. It's beautiful, and it's profound, but it's, it's not written for professionals. You don't have to be a, a professional philosopher or a theologian or have a degree to understand this book.
0: Did he want to be a bishop?
1: No, no, no. He, <laughs> something like John Paul II, the, the when he became Pope, one of his first words were, my life is now over. <laughs> uh, as a bishop, he, he, he didn't just sit behind a desk and administrate. He dealt with people uh, 10 or 12 hours a day. It was like an extended uh, confessional. And when he visited his hometown of Hippo, the the, uh, citizens loved him so much that they they physically went out into the street and carried him into the cathedral and made him become bishop. Mm -hmm.
0: You say that the only attachment that frees us is our attachment to God and to that which God is, truth and love. You talk about this freedom. Uh, Augustine, you know, could be argued that he was more free than, than you could ever imagine. He had everything that he wanted. He was smart. Um of course he had a son out of wedlock, but he really found true freedom in, in his conversion.
1: Something that modern people need very desperately to understand. Their notion of freedom is Augustine's notion of freedom when he started out. It's it's basically a teenager's notion. I want to do my own thing. I want what I want when I want it. And that's really not freedom, that's addiction. Hmm. And once Augustine met God and God's absolute sovereignty, uh, and surrendered to God, then he was really free. Uh, all the saints had that experience. The, the, the secret of freedom is your relationship to the, the one who makes you truly free, namely God.
0: What would you say St. Augustine's biggest struggle was?
1: Sex. He was a sex addict, like almost everybody in the modern world. Hmm. That's another thing that makes the book ama- amazingly up to date.
0: He talks a lot about pride as well.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, that's the greatest sin of all. That's been invented by the devil. It's not a sin a of weakness. But there's always two selves in Augustine, and he lets them both come out. And even even as a, a, a rebel and, and an unbeliever, uh, he knew uh, that pride was a bad thing, because when other people manifested pride to him, it turned him off. So he realized that this was a an essentially competitive thing. It's an either me or you thing. So he was both proud and struggling with pride most of his life. And that was true even after he uh, converted. He confesses in one of the later books of the Confession what his state of soul is right now. And like most of the saints, he labels himself as a great sinner.
0: Would you say, you mentioned that Aquinas uh, speaks about Augustine quite a bit. Would you say he's one of the most quoted of the saints among the saints?
1: Yes, I would say that, Uh, partly because uh, obviously the saints quote the Bible the most, but so does Augustine. The Bible is quoted almost in every other line in the Confessions, maybe not word for word, but uh, in substance. And when uh, Frank Shee translated it, he tried to put all the biblical quotations in italics, and he confessed that the line between direct quotation and indirect quotation is impossible to draw and the Confessions really come from the Bible, directly or indirectly.
0: Augustine rejected uh, marriage for himself. Why?
1: Well, marriage in that time and culture uh, meant something a little different than it does today. Uh, It meant that you were labeled as a married man, you were labeled as somebody who occupied a certain stratum in the social hierarchy, Uh, he was faithful to his mistress once he had uh, a single one. Uh, Why he didn't marry her instead of uh, uh, leaving her and becoming celibate, uh, I think is largely cultural.
0: What's his answer to the modern-day atheist today?
1: I think he is close enough to Socrates that his answer would be, what's your question? What's your problem with God? Hmm. And the answer is probably going to be, if the atheist is a serious atheist, uh, I don't like God's world. Where How do you explain evil? The yeah. problem of evil is certainly the, the strongest temptation to, to, to doubt. Uh, and Augustine's got a, a dutiful answer to that. It's, it's lived as well as thought. If, on the other hand, the atheist is a happy atheist and thinks he just doesn't need God, then I think he needs deeper treatment. Then Augustine would say, well, your sin is pride. And you're going to have to be hit by a lot of suffering in order to break that down. You can't break that down with just argument. Hmm.
0: Dr. Peter Kript is my guest. Um, what What did he, when it came to um, the intellectual side of the faith, was it, was it the uh, uh, problem of evil that was kind of the gate but that it needed to open for him? He needed to find that answer? Or was there another intellectual battle he was going through?
1: Oh, there are quite a few. Uh, He was a materialist, uh, although he wouldn't have uh, used that term. Uh, When he was young, he couldn't understand what spirit was and how God could be a spirit, and he tried to apply the categories of matter to God. Is he everywhere? Is he he split into parts? Uh, Is he in evil stuff as well as good stuff? Uh, There's a breakthrough in the Confessions where he suddenly realizes that that even when he uses his physical senses— To understand the world. The act of understanding is not physical.
0: How did Augustine die?
1: He died in his home city in North Africa, uh, literally smelling the fires uh, that the barbarians set uh, to the city walls as they were invading. So uh, that is about as dramatic a way to die as you can imagine. There's no question about it. And The City of God, another great masterpiece, which is about a thousand pages long, is a philosophy of history that tries to explain why uh, Rome uh, declined and fell, and what God's plan for history is. That's also a a deeply biblical book, and a terribly influential book, but much longer and more difficult than the Confessions.
0: I get a lot of books in the mail, uh, being a radio host. I there was a yell, I, I have to be honest, and this might be a little embarrassing, but when I opened up the package for this one, I, I kind of jumped back and yelled a little bit. People in the radio studio had no idea what was going on. So I was so excited for this. Um, I've, I've never seen anything like this in kind of a modern era, um, and, and it'll it's right at the top of my reading list. I can't wait. I've already dabbled into it a little bit. So, Dr. Peter Kraft, you can... Well, the reason,
1: the reason you jumped back is that it's full of fire. <laughs> That's
0: it. You're right. You're right. It'll burn you um ignatius press you can go to they're the publishers of it as well as amazon.com and hopefully your local catholic bookstores as well dr peter crafe god bless you thanks for coming on
1: god bless you always
0: appreciate it he's full of fire and when you read augustine it, it does burn it burns the heart and in a lot of ways it allows your sin your struggles the difficulties you have in everyday life to become a little bit more clear his heart was restless until he rested in God. That's the invitation that St. Augustine has for all of us today, and I'm hoping, I'm praying, that each one of us, myself included, will answer that call. Friends, make sure to share this and other episodes of Your Catholic Life on Facebook and Twitter, inviting your friends to take part in the show. Visit our website, yourcatholiclifepodcast.com, as well. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm John Lenetti, signing off here on Your Catholic Life. Remember, the only way to happiness is is by holiness, be confident in Christ's mercy and his love today.